All right, you're listening to F-Stop, Collaborate, and Listen with host Matt Payne. Uh, Welcome to episode 49 uh, with Adam Gibbs. Uh, Adam Gibbs is an awesome uh, landscape photographer from uh, Canada, and uh, he's actually originally from the UK, um, which I think comes through in his voice a little bit, which is always super awesome. Um, We talked about some sweet topics this week. Adam's been a full-time photographer since 1991, so we talked a lot about um, how photography has changed over the years from his perspective, which I really appreciated. Um, We talked about um, his recent launch over onto YouTube and what he's doing over there. Um, We talked about his um, workshop offerings. Uh, We talked a lot about Instagram and popularity and the trends that we're seeing over there. And we talked a lot about uh, the ever- fun topic of digital manipulation and the impact on photography or lack thereof, depending on your perspective. Um, and then over on Patreon this week, we had a great conversation about Adam's uh, adventures in paragliding, which was super fascinating. Um, just a reminder, uh, please support the podcast over on Patreon. Uh, every little bit counts. You can even just donate $1 a month. That's totally cool. Um, the base level is $5 a month. $5 a month um, gets you a lot of cool prizes and bonus content that we're producing over there. Um, and you can go all the way up to $50 a month if you want to be really generous. Um, as always, uh, reach out to me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Vero, whatever, uh, Matt Payne Photography and Matt Payne Photo. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoy. Well, Adam Gibbs, uh, it's super cool to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, absolutely. I've, uh, I actually uh, didn't know about your work until a couple other people mentioned you on the podcast. And then, of course, I went and checked your stuff out and was like, holy cow, this guy's <laughs> got like a massive gallery of incredible photography. So, of course, I was like, I need to have this guy on the podcast ASAP. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so I guess I wanted to start out just a little bit um you on your website it says you've been a full-time landscape photographer since 1991, is that right? Um well I I I've been a full yeah, I've been a full-time photographer. Um not so much landscape. Um I uh I I went to I took photography at college. Um Back in the uh, in the ni- in the very beginning of the nineties, there, and uh, my original intent was to work uh, in a studio doing product and such, and uh, I did that for uh, about two weeks, and I hated it. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I um, I started uh, photographing uh, areas close to where I was living. I, I didn't have a lot of money back then. Um, I just, I just, I just gotten married, um, and uh, so I, I went to uh, my local uh, public garden actually, and I started photographing little nature scenes um, in the in the public garden, and I mm-hmm. kind of got quite a 
a good body of garden images, actually. So I started approaching uh, gardening magazines, and uh, I hooked onto one local company that, that produced one magazine at the time called Gardens West, and uh, kind of blossoms from there. And I, I stuck with them for uh, over 20, 20 years. Uh, nor um, they, they expanded to four magazines right across Canada. So my job was to, uh, from the spring until fall, uh, fly across Canada photographing private gardens for the articles for the magazine. And uh, it, was a re- it was a really good gig because I... I, uh, I would work from the spring until the fall, and that would pretty much be my income for the year. And then the rest of the year, I would uh, go out and about um, doing nature photography. Because nature photography is a really tough gig to make a living out of. Um, anybody that's out there that does nature photography for a living, uh, most, most people have some kind of regular job on the side, or they've made money elsewhere and they've gotten into it. There's very few people that actually make a living out of it full time that I know of anyway. Um, anyway, the magazine, uh, couple, uh, two, three years ago, they went bankrupt. And uh, so I've, I've somewhat had to try and reinvent myself. Um, so this is what I, I'm, you know, I'm trying the workshop thing. I, I think you have to uh, do a, a little bit of everything to, to, to make a go of it, you know. So that's where I'm at now. And yes, I've, I've been doing it for a long time. So I, I do have a lot of photographs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, uh, especially if you're doing it uh, full time. I mean, it's that's bound to be the, the byproduct, I would assume. Um, it's funny, like I probably only get out maybe once a month, maybe twice a month at most, sometimes maybe only five or six times a year. So um it's a uh, you know it's it's a different mindset when you're when you can only get out you know, a couple few times a year versus like going out you know every week or whatever so um, yeah it's it's really tough I mean um, I mean most people out there are amateurs and they do it for a hobby and uh, um, yeah it is it's I mean time is a constraint for a lot of people and and getting out I mean really to to really improve that nature photography or our landscape photography you really have to get out there as much as you can and um and i i've been fortunate in that uh um I, i've been able to to do that um i live pretty frugally um but i also have a partner that has a a, a regular job and, and she's been extremely supportive uh, without her I, I i wouldn't be able to do what i'm doing now that's for sure so. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I I ran into uh, one of my favorite photographers one time on the top of a fourteen thousand foot mountain here in Colorado. He he writes um he writes a lot for outdoor photographer, and um, he was he has the same thing. Like his wife's a lawyer, and so she he he just gets to go out and take photos pretty much full time. And I was yeah. like. That sounds pretty sweet, dude. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it sounds sweet. I mean, we, I mean, right. we don't have an ultimate plan. I mean, Karen uh, is is only so t- so much uh, tolerant to a certain point. You know, I mean, at some at some point, you've got to get some kind of payback. Um, but you know, luckily for me, um, you know, she's she's patient with me and and I can see the potential. It's just I have to get out there and, and do this. You know, and um, 
it, it's difficult because I think nowadays it's it seems to be more about the personality behind the camera than the actual images, which is is a tough gig for a lot of nature photographers because their personalities aren't usually. Um, you know, they're pretty reclusive people usually. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So putting yourself out there, it's difficult, you know, it's, uh, and, 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 uh, as, as, well, especially since I've started this, this, uh, YouTube channel, uh, putting myself on camera and, and getting scrutinized for everything. I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're like, oh my God, what am I going to say this week that's going to offend somebody or, or, uh, you know, uh, someone's going to get all bent out of shape over some stupid thing that I've said or, you know, you know what I mean? Um, well, for sure. I mean, it's it's impossible to make everyone happy. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, I, uh, yeah, I've been doing it for a long time, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So in that vein, um, how have you seen uh, the craft of photography change over the years? Because it sounds like you kind of got in during the kind of the heyday of magazine and all that stuff. I think a lot of people took advantage of that and it's, mm -hmm. it's changed quite a bit. So I was hoping you could talk, talk a little bit about what, what's changed from your perspective. Uh, well, ev everything has changed. Um, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, there's two, there's, there's two main things that have changed. Um, first of all, the technology has changed drastically. Um, cameras, um, the way we produce images, the way we process images, and also the the whole business of photography has changed drastically. Um, I will say one thing off before I before I kind of get into it is that um, if I was starting again today, uh, I would probably take up some kind of trade and forget about photography <laughs> and just do it as a hobby. Uh -huh. um, Why do you say that? Because um, th there's just there's just too many people doing it. There's just and there's a lot of really good photographers out there, amateurs, uh, uh, are just as good as the so-called professionals. Um, people today seem to be willing to just give their work away for for free, which is just bizarre to me. I mean, <laughs> I me too. I was I, it's funny. I was on Instagram the other day, and um, there was a. There was a, one of these large uh, streams on there. Um, they, you know, they show a lot of really nice nature. Oh, a, a hub. Uh, yeah, a hub. And it said, you know, um, submit your work to be featured on this page. So I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. So I went, I sent them an email. And, I mean, I couldn't believe it. So they actually want you to pay them to feature your photography on their page. I mean, uh -huh. there's something very wrong with that. But people people are doing it, you know, and I just, I just find that so bizarre. Um, I can't understand where people's mindset is in, in, I mean, what are they thinking? So they think, okay, so their, their channel or their stream is going to get very popular, but to make any kind of money out of, of that, that, uh, media, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I, I really don't get it. Popularity seems to be um, more important than the the actual photography. If, I mean, this is my, my my own perspective, anyway. Oh, I think you're you're definitely <laughs> right on. I mean, that's definitely an observation I've had for several years: is that the um, people that have a large following um, 
don't don't it doesn't always mean that they have great photography um it, it means they've figured out a way to become popular yeah. um which is too bad i mean obviously there's people that have great photography that are wildly popular which is great um but yeah i've noticed that too like some of my favorite photographers maybe only have a couple thousand uh followers on instagram and i'm always scratching my head like how come this person has 2000 and they have the, probably the best images I've ever seen. And this person has 120,000 and their yeah. images are just total shit. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, I, well, I think well, that it comes back down to the, the personality, personality types. I mean, I think the, the, the photographers that you're talking about that, that do, that take really great images are, are the kind of people that can't just can't be bothered with, with the social media thing. Uh-huh. And of course they get, they get, they kind of get lost in the dust, you know, I mean, there are exceptions to that, but, um, you're right. I mean, there's some, there's some awesome photographers out there. Um, and they, they, their, their work doesn't get hardly any attention because, because everybody's following the mainstream, uh, the same old, same old, you know, um, the same scenes uh, processed the same way or copied from from what someone else has done. I, I, I mean, it's fine. I mean, I, I'm not complaining. I just, I just don't. I have a hard time getting it. No, I'm the same way. It's baffling. I'm not. I'm not complaining either. It's just. It's. It's one of those things. I'm like, I don't understand this. And to your point, you know, I could. I could see a business model. Like if you actually sat down and wrote out a marketing and business plan, um, mm-hmm. I could see where paying someone to feature your photos on a hub might be part of that marketing plan, but I'm willing to bet that a lot of those people don't have a business plan or a marketing plan. They're just doing it because they want to become popular, you know, like, and yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, that's, that's fine. If people want to do that, that's fine. But, but I guess the, the hard part for me is that like, like you said, a lot of the, the, the really good stuff kind of gets lost, you know, and mm-hmm, um, people mm-hmm. don't people don't see it because I mean, really, there are some photographers out there, and they they're just exceptional. Um, which kind of brings me back to the you know what's changed. Um, you know, uh, well, ca- cameras have definitely changed. Um, I remember um, when I first went to college, Kodak came in uh, the first year that I was there. And they brought in one of the first uh, digital cameras. Um, it was a like a, a two megapixel black and white camera. It was just it was just like a, to- a toy, you know. Uh-huh. And we were all running around with this thing, taking uh, you know stupid selfies with it. <laughs> um, but then they they brought in a, they had a dye sublimation printer. They brought that in, and that that was really cool. Um, and uh, you know, I kept. I, th- I was thinking to myself, man, th- there's no way that this digital photography is ever going to take off, you know, film, <laughs> I mean, film, <laughs> you know, boy, was I ever wrong, you know? Um, and I, I, I used film to the bitter end. I, I, um, even, I remember the first digital camera that, um, I, I used, um, it was actually the, the gardening magazine that I worked for. They, they insisted that I go over to digital, and I, I was so against going to digital. Um, I thought the quality was crap. Uh, I really didn't want to start getting mucking about with computers and peripherals. <laughs> and, 
And, um, and then Dorothy, who owned the magazine, she said, well, we want to buy a really high-quality mag- uh, uh, digital camera. So she said, well, look into the cameras. And, um, you know, the best one that I could find was uh, uh, Kodak had just come out with the, the first medium format digital back where you didn't, you didn't have to be tethered to like a, a laptop. Mm. So I showed this to her and she said, okay, well, that's the one we're going to get. And that camera back was $20,000. And then, the, and then I had to buy a whole system for it. So I had to buy a, uh, what was it, a, a Mamiya uh, six four five system, three lenses. So you know the whole the whole system came to like forty thousand dollars. And um, I started using this, and I also it was funny when when they bought it, I I insisted that we buy a film back for it too because you could use film and digital. Mm. And uh, I was so insecure about the digital that i was taking film shots as well as digital shots just in case the digital shots <laughs> didn't work out you know <laughs> and um i remember we had to buy a, a a a card for it like a you know just a a regular what do you call it a like cf a, card yeah compact flash card yeah yeah and um the one the largest one you could get was uh i think it was 600 megabytes <laughs> and it was a thousand dollars it was a thousand dollars for this card i still have it actually it's hilarious anyway yeah and um but anyway i i slowly got into digital and thought okay well this is you know this is this is working out okay but you know of course at that time this was a, a high-end i think it was um was it 12 megapixels or 14 around that um, digital back? And uh, the quality was actually really, really good for that because it was a massive sensor on this thing. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't have a lot of megapixels, but the sensor on it was, you know, it was square and it was about an inch by an inch. So it was just huge, you know. Mm-hmm. So, the, so the quality was actually really good. Um, it's just too bad Kodak went belly up more or less you know <laughs> right well talk about not making the switch soon enough you know that's that's what happened to them i mean and you can see that with uh with all kinds of industries but uh you know it's interesting i was listening to another podcast um where uh they were interviewing uh full-time he he only shoots uh, a large format film and uh it was really interesting to me to listen to how his approach to taking a, an image was much, much more methodical. And, um, you know, like it, it would take him 30 to 45 minutes just to set up for one shot, you know, and, and taking one shot would cost him like 20 bucks or something like that. You know what I mean? Like it's a yeah. totally different approach to how you, how you create an image. Oh, most definitely. I mean, I, um, when I actually learned, photography on a with a four by five um and if anybody's thinking of getting into photography i I highly recommend it i mean i used four by five um for about uh, 10 years um and it was a whole process so the art of photography i mean it really is an art just using you know using the equipment setting up um taking the image and then processing the image um that that was the art form of photography, but now it's it's changed. Um, 
it's not so much the art of taking the image, but it's the art of making the image after it's been taken. Mm. And I, I think that's the, the biggest change and the hardest one that's, that's been the hardest change for me is, is kind of switching over from that mindset of, of um, you know, the art of, of taking an image with a camera to making something in, um, you know, post-processing, like, uh, you know, whether you uh, Photoshop or Lightroom or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it's taken me a long time to try, try to um, transition, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. So, like, because, uh, do you still use some of the same uh, methods in the field in terms of co composition? And, um, I do. Yeah. I'm I, I do definitely. Um, I don't. I'm not a run and gun uh, type of shooter. I, I take very few images. I'm pretty deliberate in the way I go about composing an mm -hmm. image. Um, I mean, I'll take variations, but it's usually moving over an inch or two this way or that way. It's not drastic um, changes. I. I mean, four by five. It, it really is, or large format is an excellent way to learn how to compose an image for sure. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> right because if if you make a mistake, it costs you money. <laughs> well, 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 yeah, but not only that. Um, because if you've ever used a four by five, everything's reversed and upside down. So uh -huh. all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're not really looking at um, a scene so much. You're you're more or less looking at just shapes and and diagonals and. Um, I mean, obviously, the the subject matter is there. But it's very hard to switch everything around. So you're kind of looking at shapes and how they how they conform to one another and, and how that you've got them laid out in, in the frame. That's what I found anyway. And and actually, when I was using four by five, I used to run around with this um, this little viewfinder. It was made by uh, Linhoff Technica. It was actually a, a viewfinder for their uh, press cameras. And um, I would run around with this thing. It was like a little telescoping lens, and I would run around and, and telescope this thing um, up to my eye. And then, if you look on the side of it, it, it would more or less give you the focal length that you would need for that for that photograph. And that was a great compositional aid for me because four by five is difficult because it's you can't hold it up to your eye and kind of look around with it like a, like you would with a, a thirty five millimeter, right? right. <laughs> But, but I, I guess what some people do now is they'll run around with a, a cell phone and take images with their cell phone and then kind of get an idea of the composition that they want and um, and then set up their camera. Uh, but the neat thing about this viewfinder is that it was telescoping and, and the magnification would change as you zoomed in and out. So it would give you a much better idea of um, the composition you're going to get with that focal length, you know. Yeah, so yeah. Um, now that you shoot digital, what what transitions have you had to make in terms of your approach to getting an image in the field? Um, not, not an awful lot. I mean, I, I, I just bought the latest and greatest from Nikon. Um, I think, um, I mean, I, I will, I don't know, I'm kind of changing the subject here. I, I will say that... Um, Photoshop and Lightroom have definitely made it easier to get in, get, get a um, get something half decent, even when you've got really poor light. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, like with with film, it was more or less 
you took an image and if it was bad light, then there's no, it doesn't matter how good the composition is, it's probably going to be thrown in the garbage at the end of the day mm -hmm. anyway. But nowadays, you, could, you, know, you can more or less take a, a shot in really crappy light. If you've got a decent composition, take it into Photoshop and, and just pull out a whole bunch of different things or add things if you want, um, light beams or God knows what, and make it into something uh, art, artistic or personal, you know. Um, yeah, I'm always amazed at what people are able to do. Yeah, um, it, but it's I don't know. It's it's a it's a weird it's the weirdest thing. I uh, I have a hard time with processing as well. <laughs> I because um, it because it's nature photography. Um, I have a problem with the ethics behind some of the the things that go on with with Photoshop and and Lightroom. Um, I'm always struggling with that, <laughs> you know. Uh, but anyway. Uh, yeah, no, my, my approach has, hasn't really changed an awful lot with, with digital. Um, it's just the, the image after, after I've taken the image, um, that's changed quite a bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, well, let's, yeah. let's dive into that idea of um, post-processing because um, I actually recently wrote a pretty uh -oh. long blog article <laughs> about digital manipulation in landscape photography. And, uh, you know, it's a fairly controversial topic, I think, um, there's people that, that land on all ends of that spectrum in terms of, you know, it has to be completely unprocessed, which is, in my opinion, that's a little bit extreme uh, in terms of, um, you know, cameras are just tools and, you know, you have to do some editing to bring out the image, especially if you're shooting raw, it's just, it's impossible not to. Um, yeah. And even if you shoot JPEG, I mean, the, the camera is, applying an algorithm to the image and um, you have a little bit less control over what it's doing to the photograph. But uh, so talk a little bit about your ethic, ethical standards and, and, and what, what you personally believe um, in regards to digital manipulation. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. I, um, I think it's funny. I, I do, um, I do these um, like art shows. I, I have stuff that I print myself and, and I have printed and I, I go to art shows and I hang my stuff up. And the ultimate question, always, I mean, I get this question all the time. <laughs> I know what you're gonna uh, is, your work, <laughs> it, it, is your work Photoshopped? Right. And I, I used to struggle with that. And then I started, I thought about it and, I, and, and then people would ask me and now I just say, well, uh, yes, it is. So do you like the image? Because really, at the end of the day, who really cares? Um, either they like the photograph or they don't like it. Um, you know, I mean, people shoot for all different reasons. Uh -huh. um, some people just do it for them. most. A lot of people do it for themselves. Um, some people do it for um, to sell their images to certain markets. Um, I guess it really depends on what the ultimate goal of your image is. I do have a problem with people um, who take an image and manipulate the hell out of it and then say, well, this is what mm -hmm. it looked like. Um, I, I don't get that. I mean, there's no reason to lie about it. Um, it is what it is. I mean, if, if people want to manipulate their images to the point where it's uh, a made-up scene, um, I don't have a problem with that um, as, long as, they, as, as long as they don't mind telling people, yeah, I, I've – 
you know, like Ryan Dyer. I mean, I mean, the guy he he does all kinds of weird things to his images, but he's pretty upfront about Absolutely. what he does, and his his photography is. Um, I, I think it's great. I mean, I think uh, same with uh, Alex um, Noriega. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people that that do similar type of manipulation and photography. Um, I mean, it, it has that dreamy quality. I, I mean, I like sure, it, you know, sure. um, it gets a bit, it gets, it gets a little samey after a while, but I, I, you know, I, it's definitely an art form and, um, and people really like it. It looks good. So, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't necessarily really have a problem with it. It's just the ethics behind, I guess it's the ethics behind nature photography. Um, you know, nature, landscapes and nature i mean let's face it um we're not doing them any favors and and by manipulating them and saying well yeah this is what it really looked like when it, in fact it wasn't uh, i don't think we're doing uh the the art form any any favors by lying about it um um i don't know it's a, it's a tough one i mean people are going to do what they what they do regardless of yeah i think I, I'm totally on board with what you're saying. Um, I think where, where, where I struggle is um, the motivations behind the digital manipulation. I think especially when it's extreme, like you're adding blending scenes that don't exist and you're showing it to the world as if it's this real place and it's really just a fantasy. Um, I think yeah. the, I think it's, it's hard for me to understand what the – true motivation is behind that practice for some people i mean obviously i can't say whether or not what their motivations are but um, i have some guesses because i used to do quite a quite a lot of that type of stuff myself and when i did some soul searching what i really came to realize was the only reason i was doing that was so that people would like my photos more (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I didn't, I thought that was a bad reason for me. So I just like, I don't think I want to do that anymore. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we all want our, we will, we all want people to like our photographs. I mean, I mean, I, I definitely like it when people even give me thumbs up or, <laughs> or write a nice comment. I mean, I, I'm, I'm no different than anybody else. Um, I can usually tell which images are successful and which ones aren't by just the amount, by the amount of comments or, or thumbs up or whatever. But, you know, really at the end of the day, I don't actually really care. Um, I put my images out there because I enjoyed taking them at the time and, and hopefully people will enjoy uh, looking at them. Um, I, I do manipulate my images, um, not to the extent that a lot of people do. Um, I, I try to make m- my images look um, reasonably natural, but you know, they're never going to look. It's never going to look the same as mm-hmm. what it really looked like. Um, I, I remember when digital first came in, um, there was a lot of controversy about manipulation, and I remember National Geographic got in huge doo-doo. Um, I don't know if you remember this. Maybe this was before your time. Um, they they had a picture of the pyramids in, in Egypt. Yep, I read yeah, about it, and uh-huh. it didn't quite fit the format of the cover, so they digitally moved one over by an inch or, or whatever, and there was a huge uproar. Um, because all of a sudden, this this um, nostalgic or this this really well respected magazine had manipulated an image to into something that didn't exist, and I could kind of see people's uh, point. You know, I mean, if it's a 
if it's a news agency or it's a, 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 a well-respected uh, periodical where people go to it for true information, um, especially in this day and age, um, you know, if, you were, if we're looking at manipulated images along with manipulated news stories, then who knows what's true anymore? And um, I, I don't know. I, I do have a hard time with people trying to pass off work that, that isn't... Uh, that that isn't real, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I'm the same. I, I I don't have a problem at all with with it. Um, I think where I where I have a problem with it is where people don't are not honest about it. I think that's it. Just gets to be tiring, I guess, seeing people present images that you can tell are just complete fabrications and then you challenge them on it and they're like yeah it's that's how it looks and you're like no that's not how it looks and you know it and i I think i think the other issue is that um you know i mean the 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 whole the whole we just keep pushing and pushing the boundaries which is great but the thing is, we're pushing the boundaries to the point where, like, I remember when Fuji Velvia, Fuji Chrome Velvia, which was a film, um, came out, and people were just outraged because uh, you know the colors were just so <laughs> vibrant and so unreal. And I refuse to use Fuji Chrome Velvia because the greens are just so. And you know, I mean, you compare Fuji Chrome Velvia to some of the images that you see online now. I mean, Fujikone Velvia looks so subdued and, you know, it's, so, so who knows what the next step's going to be, you know. Um, we're building up these fantasy lands that, um, that don't exist. And um, I don't know. I don't know. Kind of reminds me of those images you used to see of, uh, you know, the um, back in the 70s, uh, the black velvet of the unicorn with the moon and the howling wolf and, you know, yeah i mean it put up a black light to it and it glows yeah we kind of have this vision of what nature should be and people are producing those images but it's not like that at all and people get this false especially as 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 time goes on and more and more of us are getting uh disconnected from the natural world um we have this false sense of what nature is and um I don't know. I don't think we're doing any favors. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> no, I think you're you're definitely onto something there because um, I I can't necessarily prove it. I mean, I have a scientific mind. Uh, I do a lot of you know. My background is social science. I was I was a I have a degree in clinical psychology, but you know, I like to you know, if I'm going to say something, I want to at least base it somewhat in research. But so I can't prove this yet. But my theory is, is that when when we as photographers present to the world, especially like on Instagram, where a lot of the people that are viewing that imagery aren't necessarily photographers and don't know any mm-hmm. better, when we're presenting a place in a hyper-realistic fashion to where it's it's completely fabricated, I think on one, for one, it people... Uh, really want to go to those places even more like it makes them want to go see that place and and i think on one hand that's a good thing because we want people to get outside and enjoy the outdoors but on the other hand i think it um creates more foot traffic it creates more attention to these places and i think it could depending on the place it it could have a negative impact on its long-term 
sustainability as a place. Oh, most definitely. I mean, because some of these areas just can't handle the amount of <clears throat> amount of people. Um, I can think actually one because BC is a pretty popular uh, area for uh, Instagrammers. Um, there's certain areas mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. Instagrammers love to go to, and, and one in particular is called uh, Joffrey Lakes. Um, I know that um, it's funny. There's a one. There's three lakes in a row, and they're a the beautiful turquoise color. And I think it's the either the first or the second lake has this old um, fallen tree that's kind of gone out into the lake. And I remember photographing it years ago, back in when in my four by five days, because this this log just kind of disappears into this milky kind of um, turquoise water. Well, of course, mm -hmm. now what's happening, uh, so I guess someone went there and, and took a shot of someone standing on this log. And oh of course, God. it just went more or less viral. And this area, um, I think it was last year or the year before, there was, a, um, there was cars parked all along the road into the park for two kilometers. <laughs> um, for people to going wow. into this, and it's a pretty small area. It's an alpine area, so you can imagine the the impact that that has um, on those on those fragile um, areas. And I don't think people are there to enjoy nature; they're there because they want to get their shot of someone standing on this log. Um, so, you know, uh, you know, people have, have said to me. Um, Actually, I had a, a message yesterday, a woman saying, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't uh, show your these locations on YouTube because everybody will start going there. And um, I'm kind of like, well, yeah, that's, that's a possibility. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, British Columbia is a huge province. So, I mean, there's lots of areas to photograph. You don't have to go to the same areas as everybody else, you know. <laughs> so I, I, right. I don't know. No, it's. I think it's a. It's a challenging um, struggle. It's. A, it's almost a paradox because, on one hand, we want people to see our work and enjoy these places and get excited, and we want our photography to connect people to a place and, you know, evoke feelings and and memories and all those things. But on the other hand, like, it also has the um, negative possible negative effect of having those places be overrun with people <laughs> well that's that's Which true is, and that yeah. has happened i mean i mean just look at the national parks now i mean it's just crazy um i think it's i mean i could be wrong but I, I think it's probably worse in the states um some certain areas where photographers love to go oh, i mean yeah. the canadian rockies is getting to that point where i mean the, the last two or three years i mean not just photographers, but tourism in general. I mean, it's, it's just a nut house there. Um, it's not enjoyable for um, for your average person to go there um, unless you you get off the beaten track. Um, I guess that's the one positive thing is that if you're the type of person that loves to go hiking or, or get off into the woods, then um, you're, you're probably going to have more luck getting away from people than say just sticking to the areas that are close to the road you know um, so sure. that's kind of what i do i just i just go, try to go to areas that um involves a little hiking and then you won't see anybody you know <laughs> yeah no i'm the same way for sure because most people are couch potatoes I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, and I, I don't pretend to have the answer to this dilemma i think it's um i think it's a struggle and i think um I just, I guess my only hope is that 
people just start to think about that, you know, like, you know, obviously you're not going to save the world one photographer at a time, but I think if we all just take a minute to reflect on what we're doing and what it potentially could impact, I think that's, that's the best start um, in terms yeah. of um, trying to work out a way to, yeah. to yeah, uh, minimize impact. I yeah. Guess. It's a, it's a tough one. Um, I mean, I hate to say this and I, I don't know, maybe people are going to disagree with me here, but I, I think part of the problem is that with, with landscape photography, I mean, it, it's just, it's really taken off this landscape photography thing. And I hate to say it, but I, I think a lot of people have gone in, got into it for the wrong reasons. Um, Mm. I, I mean, from a personal note, um, and, I, and I've said this over and over again, for, for me, photography um, is really an, an ends to a means. I mean, I, 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 I took up photography because I enjoyed the outdoors, not the other way around. Um, if, if I stopped taking photographs tomorrow, it re- really wouldn't bother me that much. Um, I just mm-hmm. enjoy the outdoors. Uh, it's it's just something to do while I'm outdoors, whether it be uh, you know trail running or or hiking. Um, it's just an an added bonus, um, something to do while I'm out there. Whereas I think a lot of people have just taken up photography and they they're not really thinking about the scenes they're taking. They just want to take great images so they can show everybody. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I think um, I think we all fall somewhere on that spectrum. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm the same way. Like, I got into photography because I was really into the outdoors and I wanted to take pictures of the places I was going mm-hmm. to um, and then, you know, like, share those memories with friends and family. And then from there, it just kind of grew. Like, I, I got more and more interested in, in the photography side of things. But I think there are people that get into it originally for um, – they would just want to take pretty pictures and be able to have those pictures. And then I, but I've heard, you know, there are some people where it's the other way around. Like they really just wanted to get the pretty pictures and, and then they came to, to love the outdoors. So I, I think it can go both ways and I don't think there's a right or wrong, but. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean yeah. it's kind of like bird watching, you know, you get the, you get the people, you get people that really love to see different birds and they just love birds, but then you get other people that are more into, um, seeing just, you know, filling their lists, right? Like, uh, um, kind of ticking off a list of, of the birds that they've seen. And, and photography is, I kind of see the same thing, um, happening. Like I say, it's not wrong or right. Um, but you know, you, you, you'll see people, they're just kind of ticking off location. (laughs) Okay. We've been there, done that. Let's go here and get some pictures. (laughs) It's funny how we're wired that way as humans, like, we have this, these lists in our head that we have to cross off. Take, take the same composition and, you know, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. It's bizarre. Um, so I wanted to give you some, the opportunity to talk a little bit about what you have coming up. I know you've recently, um, been doing a lot of stuff on YouTube and you've got some workshops. Uh, tell us a little bit about what, what's YouTube been about for you. And maybe you could transition on what uh, workshops you have coming up. Yeah, so <laughs> YouTube. I mean, I I've been meaning to um, put together a YouTube channel for quite some time now, quite a few years actually. <laughs> um, but there was a, a number of things that were going on in my life, and it just wasn't a good a time to do it. Um, 
So this past year, I started up this channel, and um, it seems to be going pretty well. And I'm I'm finding that I'm, I'm well. First of all, I'm really enjoying it because it's a whole different mindset. Um, so now, not not only am I a photographer, now I'm getting into the realm of video, which is which is great because it's. Um, yeah. I've been doing photography for so long now that you kind of get into this this routine, you know. Um, mm-hmm. you, you compose images the same way. You go, tend to go to the same areas over and over again. But now that I'm doing video, I've I've got to start thinking about, uh, you know, uh, different ways to to film something. Or and it's been really fun. Um, what I didn't expect though is that. Um, this YouTube is is a, an excellent way to not only promote yourself as a as a business because I am a, a business even though I, I love photography I mean I am a business and I do have to somehow make money out of this um, but it's also turned into a, a great little community um, I find things like Instagram Facebook I mean they're okay but I, I've definitely found that uh, YouTube is is a much uh, in, more in-depth community, um, and uh, I'm starting to make some some good friends and acquaintances uh, out of YouTube. It is a lot of work to put these videos together, um, but what I'm also finding is that um, because I've kind of committed myself to to do these videos, um, it's uh, really motivated motivated me to to get out there mm-hmm. and and not only take images but do video as well so it's been great because you know we all go through those times where oh man you don't you really don't feel like going out and taking images you you, <laughs> you know yeah. you know that if you go out you'll have a great time but you know sometimes motivation especially this time of year um it's difficult you know um yeah for sure i i am not a huge fan of winter <laughs> no, i mean i you know i mean i i love taking images of uh, mountains and snow and stuff. But man, sometimes, you know, it's freezing cold and you really don't feel like hiking up there. And you know. like, I just want to sit at home and drink hot coffee. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> so uh, YouTube has been excellent that way. And um, I started doing workshops just like every other photographer out there. Um, but uh, I'm trying to keep them more uh, localized. I do offer a couple mm. out in the Rockies, um, but I've also been doing a few on Vancouver Island, which seem to be really popular. So I, in the future, I might do more on Vancouver Island and just stay more or less uh, more local than uh, go further afield. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to start offering workshops to Lofoten or uh, Iceland because there's just so many now. It's just you know, I don't know. I, I mean, they're great areas. Don't get me wrong, but um, I think I'm going to just stick to to the areas that I know really well and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. something a little bit more wildernessy. The problem that I'm having is that people really want to go to these neat areas, but the problem is is that there's no um, there's no facilities there. So p- most people don't want to camp. So that you have a real right. problem. <laughs> they want to stay in a nice place but they want to go uh-huh. to these areas at the same time. And, and unfortunately, the two, well, in BC, the two just don't mix. <laughs> you know? Right, right. Um, yeah, that's that's been the biggest, um, like, uh, for a brief moment there, I was laid off from work um, in January for about a month. 
and uh, I was contemplating, ah, man, maybe, maybe I should do workshops and really try to give this thing a go. And the more I got to thinking about it, like the kinds of workshops that I would want to do would be like up in, you know, 12,000 feet in the mountains here close to home. And like how many people do actually would want to do that? I mean, I'm sure there's a market for it, but man, it would be super niche, you know? Yeah. And I, I, and I'm finding that the, the people that do um, are into, you know, wilderness camping or, or mega hiking are usually the ones that like to do things on their own. They don't tend to right. sign up for workshops and stuff. Unless, <laughs> <That's> unless, <me. laughs> unless you're, you know, unless you're Mark, Mark Adamus, then, I mean, he has a real niche. Um, oh, yeah, it's Mark Adamus. I mean. but, but, you know, <laughs> generally speaking, um, you know, like I, I really wanted to take some, uh, do a couple of workshops to some really out, out there places in northern BC but logistically, um, they're extremely expensive to get to. Um, and once you're there, you've got to camp. So mm-hmm. people are paying all this money to camp, and they just, they just don't want to, you know. Right. Um, uh, helicopters are great, but they're extremely expensive. So it's a bit of a dilemma. And, you know, you could take people to, like, places like Assiniboine and, and areas like that where they have a nice lodge and the scenery is spectacular. But they're extremely hard to get into because they're so popular. You know, mm. um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's a bit of a dilemma. So I'm, I'm working now on Vancouver Island and there's some really great areas in Vancouver Island, um, on the West coast, um, with old growth forest and, and great shoreline, uh, ocean views and stuff. So, um, that's where I'm concentrating the most for sure. I uh, noticed on your website, if you click on workshops, uh, yeah. It takes you to um, a different website. Is that just a kind of a different branding that you did for your workshop stuff? Yeah. Well, I originally started up just for just for workshops, but what I'm the workshops didn't go quite as quickly or as well as I hoped. I think I jumped into it a little bit too quickly. Mm. Um, like I'm, I'm not really. My name isn't really out there for workshops. Um, I'm quite known by a lot of other photographers, but other photographers aren't the ones that are going to sign up for your for your workshops. It's the the people outside of those people. Um, So it's it's taken a little time to to get going. But what I'm finding is YouTube has been excellent for promoting uh, the workshops. Mm. And since I started my channel, it's they've really started to take off. How? So it's been really. Good what kind of videos do you do on YouTube, and how often do you publish? Um, well, I'm trying to put one out at one a week, but man, it's 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 difficult because my editing skills in um, in Final Cut. Uh, I mean, it's it's a huge learning mm-hmm. curve. Um, but I'm trying to put one out every week. Um, sometimes at once every two weeks. Uh, but the the videos, I mean, they're pretty much just uh, me. Uh, taking images. <laughs> you know, okay. I, I, I've tried to uh, do it in a way that um, I give a few tips. Um, there's some a lot of drone stuff, uh, some slider stuff, a bit of everything, just to entertainment-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, fancy music. I mean, you know, uh, it's just uh, 10, 10, 20 minutes of entertainment with me talking in between. Um I guess the hard part, what I'm learning is that you have to be um, 
keep it moving pretty quick. And, and when you're editing, try and I, I'm getting better slowly. Um, not so much talk, but a lot of uh, footage, um, different scenes, not too many static scenes of me just standing there talking, you know, stuff right, like cause that. Right, because you have to edit in, like, the, the people that are really good at it that I've seen, like, they take a lot of B-reel, like, you know, like, you know, behind the scenes and, like, uh, and then yes. they kind of, like, weave that stuff in so that it's not just you talking to the camera for 30 minutes or whatever. Yeah, because it gets people turn off pretty quick, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I um, they seem to be – I mean, the comments have been great. Uh, I, I have a, a pretty pretty good following there. It's, it's the same – uh, it seems to be the same crowd, but it's slowly growing. Um, you know, I'm almost up to 5,000 subscribers now. Cool. So yeah, it's, uh, it just keeps going up. So that's good. good. I'm happy about good that. Good deal. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I think, um, just giving tips and, uh, and of course I, I show these areas that nobody's ever heard of or ever been to. So, um, you know, they, they seemed quite interested in, in those areas. Um, of course they're all in Canada. So, uh, um, we have we have lots of um, lots of areas to go to. That's yeah, for sure. No <laughs> so, you know, they're not they're not in your face spectacular. A lot of them, but um, a little bit more subtle. Mm. Some of them, uh, a lot of waterfalls. I go on Vancouver Island right now, and um, we have just a, a ton of waterfalls here. So it's just trying to find them and get to them. That, that's the tricky right, part. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, that's how it was when I I used to live in Portland, Oregon, and like that was. One of the funnest right. things about living there was just there's so many waterfalls. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it for now. Anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> well, cool. So a um, couple more questions. So uh, you know, based on the name of the podcast, uh, F Stop, collaborate and listen. Uh, what advice uh, do you have for other uh, landscape photographers? What advice do I have? Um, well, first and foremost, uh, shoot what you love to shoot or don't shoot. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're really interested in, um, like if you love just viewing birds, then, then go for birds. Um, I, I think it's, I, I personally, I think it's really important to, to love the things that you, that mm. you shoot. Um, and you'll, you'll find that your, your, your photography will improve tenfold if you just concentrate on those things. Like if, if it's people, then, then, you know, shoot, well, don't shoot people, but <laughs> <laughs> photograph yes, people. I think we all knew what you meant. <laughs> um, I mean, I, like I said, I, I, if, if, if I had to give up photography tomorrow, I, I actually probably wouldn't, it wouldn't be a, such a bad thing. I'd be out of a profession, but, um, I, I mean, I just love being outside and, uh, um, I, I think, um, for anybody just starting out, um, definitely concentrate on the light, <laughs> shoot the light. <laughs> and when I mean shoot the light, forget about your subject matter, just, just concentrate on, on light and what light is doing and try and photograph light. Mm. And, um, light is definitely the most important thing in it. And in any photograph, whether you you're photographing it or creating it afterwards, um, that's going to be your, your, um, flight is your friend. <laughs> yeah. Unless, unless you're really good at just adding it in in Photoshop. <laughs> well, well, yeah, you can do yeah. that now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. So, um, who would, who do you think would be great to hear on the podcast? 
Uh, I, I'm not sure if you'll be able to get him, but I think um, John Sexton. Have you heard of John Sexton? I have not. He, um, he's been around forever. Um, he is a black and white photographer. At one time, he was an assistant to Ansel Adams. Oh, wow. And um, I saw a, a slideshow of John's uh, quite a few years ago, ago now, and um, he was an excellent speaker. And I think he would be, I think he would be great on the podcast. But whether you can get him to come on or not, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's always the trick, man. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he, um, he, he. I mean, if you haven't, if you don't know his stuff, you should check it out. I mean, he is uh, an amazing photographer. Awesome. Um, and the craft, and the, and he still. Um, the craft of photography is still within him. Like he still does everything in the dark room. Mm. And, and, uh, so he's a true master at photography. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, if you can't get him, um, who, um, I'm not sure. Uh, have you ever heard, these are all old time photographers. So I, I know, I don't know if they're even on the internet. Um, <laughs> 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 Um, Christopher Burkett, I quite like his stuff. He's a, he's also, a, uh, I think he lives in, in Oregon. Um, he, he's into eight by 10. Um, he's a, another printer photographer. Who else is there? Uh, Alistair Ben. Um, oh, I don't for know sure, yeah. Alistair. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know what? I, I've only met Alistair once. We spent three or four days together in a Cinnaboyne and, um, He's one of my best buddies. He's a super nice guy. Um, he's very smart, eloquent, um, and so is his wife. So, uh, yeah, um, he would he would be good entertainment on uh, on your podcast for sure. Cool. Well, thanks for the recommendations. I, mean, I appreciate it. There's a whole bunch of people. I, I could probably name a few more, but <laughs> go, yeah, yeah. Are, if you if yeah if you have them, <laughs> go for it. Yeah. Um. Oh God, who else is there? There's um. Um, Theo Bosbaum, do you know no. him? Um, he's a European photographer. Okay. Um, I don't know him personally, um, but I just love his photography. Um, it's super different. Uh, I find the European photographers, uh, their style um, is quite a bit different than, yeah, than North America's. For sure. um, but, but Theo, I think, uh, Bosboom, um, He's won all kinds of awards for his photography. Um, I don't know the guy personally. We, we've just had a, a few kind of messages sent back here and there and, and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, check him out. He, um, I think he's sweet, Swedish, I, I believe. Okay. Um, I could be wrong there. But, yeah, he, uh, yeah, if you can get him on, he would be good. Cool. Um, yeah, and if anybody's listening and I haven't mentioned your name, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, well, thanks again for um, coming on to the podcast. It's been really fun talking to you about all these uh, interesting topics, and uh, it's great to meet you virtually. <laughs> oh, thanks ever so much. I appreciate it um, for taking an interest in my photography. Absolutely.